God is good. Amen. Church, it's okay if there are things we don't understand, things we don't yet know, things we don't even like. Because none of those things are required in order for us to trust Him. You can trust Him because He is good and because He is faithful. Amen? Amen. All right, I ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Job. We return back to Job. I want to say publicly, you're going to Job 33. Say publicly thank you to Ryan Keaton, who spoke last week. I think he did a great job. Um, church member reached out to me. He said, it's good to know that there are young pastors coming up through the pipeline. And I was offended. <laughs> I, I guess I am officially old now. But I'm glad that we do have uh, a good pipeline that we can call out to. And uh, maybe we'll have that teenager here again one week. <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, we loved you. And we'll see you again one day. All right, Job chapter 33, when you get there, you want to go to verse 1. We're going to get there in just a minute. We've had one week off from the book of Job, but we pick right back up. And I'll have to echo what I've heard many in the church say is that God must have known what he was doing when he sent us into and taking us through the book of Job because it has been timely, it has been valuable, it has been important. And to that I go, yes, God always knows what he's doing. And for that, we can find great encouragement. So, we were on vacation last week. The whole family was on vacation. I was back earlier. But prior to that week of being on vacation, prior to that, Addie was with us, and she was with us for four days while her parents went to a Gospel Coalition conference in Indianapolis. And so we got four days of Addie Day. And then she went home, and then we had a um, day, and then we all left, and then we went to the beach. And so we've had like 11 Addie Days in a row. And that's a lot of time to be together, and I love this time that we have had a chance to spend. But it is funny to hear excuses kids make when they do something wrong. And you're going, Addie does something wrong? Yes, she does. I don't know where she gets her attitude and her sass from and, and all of that, but uh, she does. And I'll ask her something, and I'll go, why did you do that? And her answers are various. She says, well, I'm just two pops. Now, she's since three now, so we'll see if that excuse holds up any longer. Or she'll say, I'm not very big. Or probably the most honest thing she says is, I just wanted to. Or the one that seems to happen the most is, I don't know. And sometimes when you question somebody and why they do that, they just look at you and they say nothing. And even though these excuses are sweet and we can joke about them, 
the behavior that prompted the question still must be dealt with, even if you're just a grandparent. There are certain things that you need to help the parents with. You see, failure to deal with bad behavior or accepting excuses never leads to good results. And so the challenge is how to lovingly intervene to both teach good actions and accountability when something has gone wrong. And you said, Jeff, are we still talking about Addie? Yes and no. We're talking about God and Job and his people. Even in moments when Addie may show temper or emotion or excuses, Lolly and Pops must seek to be helpful. For that is how Addie wins in the long run. And if that does not work, we just let it happen. Because we're grandparents, we can just send them home, they'll fix her. <laughs> Which is just a grandparent excuse. And so if we're not careful, there's excuses all over the place that we can um, pick up. So today we're introducing a new character, and we are going to stand and read. So you guys just hang with me just a minute in the media room. We are going to stand and read here in just a few minutes. But as in Job, as we've been coming through these new characters and friends that we've been meeting, we're covering a lot of material. Today we're introduced to a new character in the book of Job. His name is Elihu. Had one member mention to me, Richard, you say your grandfather's name was Elihu. I now have heard of one other person besides this guy in the book of Job named Elihu. Anybody else have a relative named Elihu? All right, Richard, you're the only one. Okay. We know very little about Elihu, but if you will take seriously your homework this week and to read Job chapter 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, and 37. You go, Jeff, you want me to read that much this week? Yeah. I want you to read, that's the section of God's Word in the book of Job about Elihu. And when you read that, we get to know a whole lot more about Elihu. We find out that he is the son of Barakel, the Buzzite, Job 32.2. We know that he's descended from the family of Ram, Job 32.2. We know that his name, Elihu, because I looked it up, means God is the one to be thanked or worshipped. I like that. Richard, you know that what your grandfather's name meant? God is the one to be thanked or worshipped. We know that he was not considered one of Job's friends. Now, I don't want to make him an enemy of Job, but the book of Job calls out that Job's three friends came to visit him, and Elihu is not one of those three friends. So that's my statement. We know that Elihu is considered much younger than Job and his friends because in chapter 32, verse 4, he talks about being young, how he waited his turn. We know that he seems to have been present for all of the dialogues between Job and his friends. You can read that uh, in chapters Job chapter 4 to 31. Elihu tells us that he's heard and listened, and so he's been a party too. And so that's the interesting thing we always need to recognize is you know, if we're not careful, we'll think that Job and his three friends were having this private conversation with each other. But that's not true. Elihu reminds us that other people hear what we say, what we do, and what we think. That in itself is a great reminder, is it not? Do you know that every word you say, somebody's going to hear it? Maybe we need to be careful what we say and what we don't say, right? Because people are going to 
hear it. We know that he waits until all of the friends have stopped talking before he gets involved. We see that in Job 32.4. We know that Elihu is angry with Job. Job 32.2 says this, because Job justified himself rather than God. We also know that Elihu is angry with Job's friends, for in Job 32.3, it says, because they provided no answer for Job, and they condemned him anyway. We know that Job nor his friends replied in any recorded manner to Elihu. If you will read, Elihu starts talking in verse 32. He doesn't stop talking until the end of verse 37, and they never reply to him that we are given from God. We know that God has great things for us in these chapters. That's why I want you to read them this week, 32 through 37, because Scripture tells us that all of God's Word is good for us. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So God has something for us now and you as you study his word. Now, we're not going to stand and read this section. I'm going to read this as a precursor. But in Job chapter 32, let me read verses 6 through 12. So Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young in years, and you are very old. Therefore, I was afraid and dared not declare my opinion to you. I said, age should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in a man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I also will declare my opinion. Indeed, I waited for your words. I listened to your reasonings while you searched out what to say. I paid close attention to you, and surely not one of you convinced Job or answered his words. And if you're in chapter 32, follow with me. Let me skip down to verse 17. I also will answer my part. I too will declare my opinion. For I am full of words. The spirit within me compels me. Indeed, my belly is like wine that has no vent. It is ready to burst like new wineskins. I will speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray, show partiality to anyone, nor let me flatter any man. For I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. Now let's get to know Elihu just a little bit better before we stand and read. Elihu believes that it is God Almighty that has given him this understanding that he is about to share. Job 32, 8. Elihu has waited. Verse 4, verse 11, verse 16. He has listened. Verse 11. And he has paid close attention, verse 12, what I just read. Verse 18 says, Elihu is full of words. It's been welling up inside of him. Have you ever heard somebody talk and you already know, oh, I've got to say something. Those words start just filling you up. He says, I'm full of words. He's compelled by God, verse 18 says, to say these words. He says, so he can find relief in verse 19. I wrote down in my notes right now, he's saying, if I don't say what I got to say, I'm going to pop. He's got words to say that God's given to him that he cannot keep inside. Verse 20 says, I must speak in order to find personal relief through obedience to God. 
In verse 21 and 22, he desires to be impartial, to be faithful only to God by what he shares. So I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to read from Job chapter 33. With that context in mind, we're going to read verses 1 through 12 together. Job 33, picking up in verse 1, reads as follows. But please, Job, hear my speech and listen to all my words. Now I open my mouth, my tongue speaks in my mouth, my words come from my upright heart, my lips utter pure knowledge. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. If you can answer me, set your words in order before me, take your stand. Truly, I am as your spokesman before God. I also have been formed out of clay. Surely no fear of me will terrify you, nor will my hand be heavy on you. Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words, saying, I am pure without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no iniquity in me. Yet he finds occasions against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Look, in this you are not righteous. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. If you're a note taker, get your notes ready. Verse 1 of chapter 33, Elihu says, Job, please listen to me. But he says something really precise here. He says, Job, I need you to listen to all my words. Now, that's a great reminder. When we read God's word, every word matters. Everything you read matters. Keep it together. Keep it in context. But he says, Job, I need you to listen, to hear all of my words. Verses 3 and 4, he summarizes, I'm seeking to speak from an upright heart with the words given to me by God called pure knowledge. Verse 6, he says, I'm your spokesman before God. You know, it's not been that long ago, Job was saying, God, you don't ever listen to me and you don't ever say anything. God, I need you to do something. And yet, here is a spokesman from God to Job. Verse 7, Elihu goes on to say, and there's no reason for you to fear me. You know, it's not been that many chapters ago when Job said, God, I need you to change. I need you to back off me just a little bit, and I need you to turn the, the, the uh, almighty power down just a little bit so I can stand before you. And God not only sent a spokesman, but he sent a spokesman in the form of a man named Elihu to come before Job and tell him the truth. And somehow Job says, he says, Job, you should be able to listen to me. This is just man-to-man conversation kind of stuff. Remember we just saw when I read a minute ago in Job 32, 11, and 12 that Elihu had been listening and paying close attention. Now if we look in verse 8 of our chapter today, verse 33, it says, Job, you have spoken in my hearing. It is important that you read these chapters. Have I said that enough today? 32 through 37 about Elihu. Elihu is going to remind Job of many of the things that he heard Job personally say. The things that have aroused his wrath. And therefore, church, if God has given the words to Elihu to share with Job, and Elihu is wrathful, feeling angry about Job and the words that he said, 
by default, we need to understand that God is not happy with the words that Job has been speaking either. Why else would God send a spokesman? You know what a spokesman does? He shares what he's been told to share. And so that's the way we find ourselves this morning. I reviewed all these chapters, and I likely missed something, and you feel free to write that down anyway if you find something that I missed. But I wanted to share with you the following things that Elihu shares with Job that he heard coming out of Job's mouth. Verse 33, I mean chapter 33, verse 9. I am pure, without transgression, innocent, with no iniquity. Job's mentioned that time and time again, right? I'm pure. I've done nothing wrong. In verse 10, God, you treat me poorly, and you treat me as an enemy. Job said that in chapter 13, 24, in chapter 16, verses 9 to 14, in Job chapter 19, verses 6 to 12, and in Job 30, verse 21. Job says, God, you treat me bad. In Job 33, 11, God, you publicly put me on display. You can find that in Job 13, 27. He said, God, you're putting me in stocks publicly humiliating me. Verse 11 says, God, you watch every step I take. Job had said that in chapter 7, verse 8, and in chapter 7, verse 20. Now, let me step out of the key verses because I'm only covering these verses, but I've studied them all. Let me just share with you some things. In verse 34, in chapter 34, verse 3, Job said this, for the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Job said that in chapter 12, verse 11. Job said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. In Job chapter 27, verse 12. In Job chapter 6, verse 4, Job said, God, you have wounded me for no reason. In Job chapter 21, verses 14 and 15, Job said this, It profits a man nothing that he should delight in God. Job, you speak without knowledge. You speak without wisdom, Elihu says. Job, you are adding rebellion to your sin. In Job 34, 37, Elihu says, You multiply your words against God. In Job 35, verse 3, Job, you said, what profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? And in verse, chapter 35, verse 14, Job, you have said you do not see God. And every accusation that Elihu brings up is a word-for-word statement that he personally heard Job say. And that's an important thing for us to recognize and remember in this moment. Now, as my church family knows, and I wrote this before I went on vacation, which meant I wrote this before I came back from vacation and before Missy passed away. But that doesn't make this mean less. It actually makes it mean more to me now because as my church family knows, I have had my share of physical challenges the last few years. And loss, we can add to that now. And I have tried to be a good patient. I've tried not to be a burden to others. 
I've tried to let others help me where I needed help. I tried not to be a complainer. I tried not to be a whiner. I tried to be a faithful witness for the Lord. But as I look back, I can see where times I had become frustrated, irritated. At times, I felt as though I blew up the balloons for a pity party that I might want to have. Times where I was impatient, where I was not loving, and times I felt awful, and others just gave me a pass for being less than what I needed to be because he doesn't feel good, or because he's sick, or because he's broken arms, or because, or because, and you guys gave me all kinds of freedom, even though I've even questioned God on a few occasions, and I wrote that before Missy passed, asking him for clarity, for answers, for him to do certain things in my life. Likely frustrated, and at times I probably stood, and God saw me as unfaithful. My family, my friends, my church, possibly you, and God have been patient with me every step of the way. I have confessed these times to my family as they've come to my heart. And I've confessed these times to the Lord as I have been convicted. And I desire to go through whatever my future may hold with a better life lived and a more faithful witness. And before you go, well, Jeff, it's okay. Let me just state this one statement. There is never an acceptable time or circumstance to be rude, unloving, unfaithful to a person or to God. I am thankful that God does not lower his standards on my account. He expects, desires, and will enable me to be faithful regardless of circumstances. You're going, why'd you go way over here, Jeff? Because I need to bring us back over here, back to the book of Job. You see, Elihu, as I mentioned, never brings up the argument of past sins that all of Job's friends have said. If you recall, for weeks we've been talking about, and they've just been pounding Job. Job, the reason all this is happening in your life is because you've sinned. Job, you've sinned. Job, you've sinned over and over and over again. Job, turn to God, repent, and everything will be good. But Job hadn't. Elihu never accuses Job of anything that he has not seen or heard. He only accuses Job of what he has personally seen and heard in chapters 32 through 37 by listening to all of this conversation. These next two statements are pretty important statements. Make sure you get them. Elihu will not ever tell Job he is suffering because he has sinned. Instead, Elihu will rebuke Job for saying sinful and wrong things because he is suffering. You guys get that, right? Let me say that again. Elihu is never going to say that Job is suffering because he has sinned. Elihu is going to point out to Job on numerous occasions where he has sinned while going through his suffering. 
Job does not have undisclosed sins that have caused his suffering, but he is wrong in what he has said about God in the midst of his suffering. Do you know how you go through things is more important than the things you go through? If you go through things poorly, it's a wasted opportunity all the way through. But if you go through some hard things correctly, God can do many great things. And Job, while he began early in this book as being blameless and upright, shunned evil and feared God. Remember, we said that God said that about him. Let me reread chapter 33, verse 12. Elihu says to Job, look, in this, all these things you've said, you are not righteous. He's saying, Job, these things you're saying about God are not right. You are not acting as though someone who is blameless and upright and fears God and shuns evil. Elihu tells Job, and since Elihu is speaking what God has laid upon his heart, God is telling Job, you're not acting the way a child of mine should act regardless of the circumstance you're in. Church, can I tell you that God knows exactly the circumstance that you're in? He knows exactly what I'm in. Whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, he knows this most recent damage to all of our lives. God knows. And yet in all of these, God expects us, desires us, and will not lower his standard of how we are to live, how we are to view him, and how we are to testify about him. You realize that Elihu heard everything he said in the public square. Now, what happens if I fall down, break my arms, or if I lose a close friend, or if I have a recurrence of cancer, and I go out on the town square, and I start talking about how God is actually not fair at all, and God is actually not good at all, and God is actually, I don't understand him, and I don't know why you'd want to follow him. How many people are, and then I go at the end of that conversation, but won't you join me Sunday at 10 a.m. for church? You know how effective that's going to be, right? Not effective. God says, I know where you are. Job chapter 33, verse 32. We didn't read this, but you, if you have it open, it says, Elihu says to Job, my desire is to justify you. Elihu has a desire to be helpful to Job. And in Job 33, 33, he goes on to say, I will teach you wisdom. Job is needing help from someone. You see, I believe God sent Elihu to remind Job of who God was and how a faithful man is to walk in the midst of his pain and suffering. Church, I'll tell you this, no matter what I go through in the days ahead, God expects me, and therefore you should expect me, to walk in a manner that is honoring, pleasing, and worthy of a good and holy and gracious God. And if he expects me to act that way, then whatever you're facing, if you know Jesus as your Savior, he expects you 
to walk in a certain way. And perhaps, to me, I'm going to sound a little bit like Elihu to you. You know, I've had a number of people reaching out to me over the years now. Reaching out. I've had people reach out today. How you doing? How you doing? How you? you know, I love that people are reaching out. Scott's been loved like crazy since Missy passed. He and I have talked, and it means so much. Church, you can't stop. I desire to live faithful. I've chatted with Scott. He desires to live faithful outside of his circumstances. God expects us, when we call upon him, to live in a manner that is consistent with who he is. God loves Job. God loves you. Ephesians 4.15 says, but the truth must always be shared. And the truth must always be shared in love. At the core of what frustrates Elihu and therefore what frustrates God is that Job has reached a point in his suffering that he is challenging the very goodness and the justice of a sovereign God. And that can happen. Can you get worn down? I'm tired. I'm hurting. I'm this, and then you can get worn down. But God says, don't get worn down. You keep turning to me. You keep allowing me to lift you up because you don't have to go counter to me. Job is allowing his pain and his suffering to cause him to take his eyes off of Yahweh. And remember, we had that whole conversation and sermon about Yahweh being personal relationship. Church, there's never, never an acceptable reason to take your eyes off of Yahweh. In Job chapter 34, Elihu presents us with five reminders to Job about God's goodness and justice. And I know you're all looking at your watch going, five reminders, that's five. No, these are quick. Just hang in there. God has something for you if you will hang in there. Job chapter 34, verses 18 and 19 says, Is it fitting to say a king, you are worthless, and to nobles you are wicked? Yet he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. Can I start by telling you that God is supremely good and just to everybody? God does not favor one over the other. God is faithful to everybody. He's not influenced or impressed by people. God does not show partiality. God will consistently love all people and judge all people. When Job makes a statement about God like that, it's actually a prideful statement that Job is making. For Job is thinking that our loving, impartial, and just God is singling him out and treating him unfairly. And do you know anytime you single yourself out and go, well, God's not being fair to me, you know what you've said? You've singled yourself out. You've separated yourself from everybody else and say, God should treat me better. It's an act of pride. So God is good and just to everyone. Psalm 34, 20. In a moment they die in the middle of the night. The people are shaken and pass away. The mighty are taken away without a hand. Job 34, 20 reminds us that God's judgment is certain and all of our lives are completely in his hand. God is always at work. 
and he doesn't need anybody's help to bring about his own goodness and justice. When Job wonders if God is working, he becomes the created, judging the creator. Job has begun to see himself as the center of all activity. And that can happen. When you struggle and when you suffer, the whole world becomes centered upon you. God says, that should not happen. In Job 34, verses 21 to 25, it says this, For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and sets others in their place. Therefore, he knows their works. He overthrows them in the night, and they are crushed. God will judge men and Elihu says, Job, with a perfect knowledge. God sees everything. He sees it all. He hears it all. He knows it all, even your thoughts. God does not need time to consider or contemplate about whether a man is faithful or not. God is always aware. So when I complain or when I gripe or when I turn from him, God knows it immediately. And God says, just know that I will Always judge, and it will be a perfect judgment because I know everything. Job chapter 34, verses 26 and 28, Elihu says, He strikes them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turn back from him and would not consider any of his ways. So they caused the cry of the poor to come to him, for he hears the cry of the afflicted. God will judge men openly for all to see, Elihu says. There will be nothing secretive about God's judgment. When you read in the book of Revelation, John sees this judgment and God sees this judgment. John sees it. We will see it. God does everything openly. In verse 29 and 30, when he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hides his face, who then can see him? Whether it is against a nation or a man alone, that the hypocrite should not reign, let the people be ensnared. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but when God is quiet, it does not mean that he is inactive, uncaring, or unaware. And this is Job's primary issue. Job has begun to focus less on God and more on his suffering. And that's caused him to say things about God Church, can I tell you, and again, I wrote this before the last week, we cannot know what God is doing. And we cannot assume that God is doing nothing. God is always at work, always at work, whether we see it or not. So Elihu, by default, what I see is he brings up another attribute of God. If you'll recall, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the aseity of God, his independence. We talked about his immutability, his unchangeableness, and how both of those attributes of God need to never change because that then gives us a foundation to build upon. Well, God laid another attribute as I was reading this. You can write this down. I'll even spell it once because I it, it don't look right no matter how many times I spell it. But this attribute of God is called his inscrutability. Let me, let me spell that. 
I-N-S-C-R-U-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Inscrutability. Now, God's inscrutability would be defined as the inability we will have to ever fully comprehend God. The impossibility to interpret or understand him fully. Give you a couple of scriptures to go with that. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Ours? Limited. Romans 11.33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Eloho said as much in chapter 33, verse 12, that we read just a few minutes ago, for God is greater than man. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I've said this a few times in the last few days now, as I've had to just trust God through our time. I don't always have to understand what God is doing or like what he is doing or even want all that he is doing, but that does not mean that I, I cannot trust him while these things are ongoing. God can be trusted. Mm -hmm. And if I trust God, then the words and the actions of my life will not be in contrast to God's goodness or his justice just because my circumstances are hard. Let me read from Job chapter 34, verses 34 to 37. It says, men of understanding say to me, wise men who listen to me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Oh, that Job were tried to the utmost because his answers are like those of wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands amongst us. He multiplies his words against God. Elihu, actually God working through Elihu, is seeking to bring conviction and repentance to Job's life for these un faithful statements and beliefs that Job has been espouting from the town square. It says, oh, that Job were tried to the utmost. You know what Job, I mean, you know what Elihu is saying? Is Job, God will continue to try you until you get to the point that you see him for all that he is. May we all be quick learners. Amen. There is a purpose to Job's sufferings. We talked about it about the second weekend, the glory of God. 
and God is most glorified when we, those who claim Christ and strive to live obedient in life, grow spiritually so that we are found faithful in every single circumstance in our lives. Perhaps today you do not have some hidden sin or past sin that would bring the discipline of God in your life, but yet you face struggles in this life. And those struggles may be wearing on you and beginning to cause your faith to wane. You may be doubting God or at least not speaking to Him fully. Today, through God's Word, you need to be reminded of God's goodness and God's justice. You need to ask God to show you your attitudes about God that are not accurate with who God is. You need to ask God to remind you of all that He always is. You need to trust God in this circumstance, in all your circumstances, and allow that trust to cause you to faithfully live, faithfully speak, faithfully think before God right in the middle of those circumstances. In this tragic time that we weren't in when we started Job, in this tragic time that we weren't in when this sermon was in the books, God knew it all. He knew exactly where we would be, what we'll be facing, how we'd be feeling. And if you are a child of God in this moment, He has a way that He expects you to live. And it is to bring glory and honor to Him outside of your circumstances. So you're going, so Jeff, can I hurt and still trust God? Yes. Can I need help and still trust God? Yes. Can I not understand and still trust God? Yes. God knows we need Him. That's why He sent uh, His Son for us. We sometimes allow our circumstances to cloud our vision. So I had a conversation earlier this week chatting with someone, we were talking about, we were going to Elihu. And they said, man, he's bad. You know, and that's the normal take we have when somebody steps into our lives and they get up in our grill and they start telling us things we don't want to hear and they start pointing out things in our lives that need to be changed. We got two choices. We can either dismiss that, call them dumb, and walk away. Or we can perhaps think that God place them right there, think about it just a little bit, and see if God brings about anything in our lives that needs to be changed. Church, what I've shared with you today is not easy. But it's also not impossible. You see, with Jesus, all things are possible. You can be found faithful in pain. 
or you can allow your pain to cause you to be unfaithful. Now, we all know that we have either had pain in the past, are going through pain right now, or will have pain in the future. You can be found faithful. Amen? Do you desire to be found faithful? I do. I'm resolved more now than even before I wrote this. It matters how I live. Not just how I look, not just that I show up on Sunday mornings. It matters how I live. Everywhere I go, people are hearing me. Just like Job in the square. Church, allow God to make you all that he wants you to be. God's word is true. We read that in Sunday school in Daniel this morning. Daniel got this vision from God, and it was true. That little, that little thing right there in God's word, that God's word is true. Church, I'll tell you that if you will base your life upon God, that if you will understand and seek him in his word, and you will let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you, you can effectively walk through anything. 